You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, joined by co-host Rob Jackson. We had a wonderful weekend of college football. If you're a fan of college football, not just a fan of the local teams, you had a blast watching all the games. Uh, we, you know, we were talking off air about some of these fun ones, and uh, it, it's it's easy to be able to be enamored to this sport when you have a weekend like this. What do you think, Rob? Well, it started on Thursday, and uh, I don't know if I turned my TV off until. I mean, I was even watching the game last night. So it was an incredible weekend of college football. Lots of very close games, down-to-the-wire games. The LSU-Florida State game last night was one for the ages. And the Utah-Florida game, although it didn't go Utah's way, it was still fun from a fan's perspective to to see. And just talk about that atmosphere, man, because, I mean, you were down in Gainesville. The, the humidity didn't get you, even though all the everybody said the, the humidity was – was going to eat you alive. I mean, talk about just the atmosphere of that game and how it compares to Pac-12 football. Yeah, I think it, it doesn't compare. I think that's that's the, the crazy thing. Is there right? anything close? Uh, maybe Austin Stadium. Um, just, uh, yeah, I mean, Utah Utah has done a really good job of being able to do it, but there's just the sheer numbers aren't there. Um, but when Rice-Eccle is, is hopping, I mean, it's a good place. Uh, Oregon has obviously got a good place. I just, I just it, it, there's just not really that kind of vibe. Maybe Washington. Actually, you know what? On second thought, I'm going to say Washington has a good vibe. When they're a good team, that stadium is a phenomenal stadium. The way that it's built kind of works that way. So I don't know. For, for me, it was one of those games where you come into it, you hear about the, the, the noise, you hear about the humidity and all that other stuff. You're in SEC country where football means more, apparently. Um, and it, it really does. I mean, people are tailgating from 6 a.m and and uh they're you know this is their day but you get there and you you see the the stadium and you you see how big this is and and even just with a little bit of fans in that stadium when utah came out to do warm-ups it was loud and it wasn't even 50 percent filled up but then you get the entire stadium in there filled up and everybody's charged it's the first game of the season they're excited about billy napier they're excited about anthony richardson you get in there and you you see that and literally there were moments where my ears were ringing. Now, that wasn't the totality of the game, right? Like, it's not like it was the loudest venue of all time at every single moment. But the, when it did get loud, it was an incredible uh, environment. And it was really cool to see fans just that engaged and just being able to be excited. You know, it was so close, that game, that nobody could really sit down. It was just one of those things where everybody was excited to watch it. It was a fun way to start the opening season. So uh, if you've never gotten a chance to go to SEC country, if, you know, if that's where, where you want to go, I mean, that's, that's fun. It, it's a great opportunity. It's a great uh, situation to be able to be a part of. And uh, I, 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 for one, am, am happy that I got to experience that on that level and, and to see a fun game. So I, to me, it was, you it know, was the, it. the, the SEC logo is, it, it, it means more. And, and, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but in a way you kind of see that you see, you know, 90,000 rabbit fans packed in. That was the largest opening day crowd in Florida history. I mean, that, and here, 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 you're bringing in Utah who's still trying to make a name for itself. But I, I think that you could make the argument now that between the last three games that Utah's played the Pac-12 championship game versus Oregon, the Rose Bowl versus Ohio state, and now opening this season at the swamp, you could say that Utah's kind of, like made it 
like yeah they don't have the the the, the name um, cachet as a florida or lsu or a texas or a usc and you, quite honestly they probably never will but to have that much passion from the florida fan base for utah coming in I mean, that, that speaks wonders for the program that Chris Hill and uh, Ron McBride and Urban Meyer and that Mark Harlan and Kyle Whittingham have built that have kind of said like, hey, like Utah is is always going to be a tough, a tough game. And you know, especially when they are they were in the top 10, we, you were going to talk about the, the new eight people that just came out the two or one hour ago. But uh, I mean, that, that, this just to me as a fan. It just says, hey, you know, Utah's kind of made it as a program, and they're not going to be like – it's not like the little dog versus Goliath anymore. It's not David and Goliath. It's not Fresno State going up against USC. It's not, you know, Boise State, the BCS Busters. Like, Utah's kind of made it now. Um, and, and and we can talk about this more in our in our Florida recap. They just need to start winning some of these games, these these big games. And you can go back to the the Holiday Bowl that Utah lost versus Northwestern. You can do the Alamo Bowl versus Texas. Uh, you know that the previous two Pac-12 championship games versus Washington and Oregon. Utah just needs to start winning some of these games where they are the favorite. They are the team that is expected to win. And against some of these more blue bread programs, so we can talk more about that later. But it was it was fun to see that atmosphere because that was as electric as you would expect uh, anywhere else in the country. Um, and that was really cool for Utah to face and the toughest environment Utah will face all season. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that's one of those situations, like you said, where I, I, I don't quite say that Utah's arrived to that level. I, I still think they need to win those games to be able to be considered uh, in that upper echelon, but they are receiving that respect and, and kind of using that to transition to the AP poll. I think this is where you see the respect that people have about Utah, right? Utah comes into the season, number seven, the, the preseason poll, it's their highest ever ranking. So it's, it's hard to say that they've consistently been there and they've arrived in that sense, but they're there. People see them. They see them as a respectable team that, you know, they're continually building under Kyle Whittingham. Florida goes in and beats them by three points, a team that was you know, unranked. People were still, you know, skeptical on, on who they could be. They thought Anthony Richardson would be a phenomenal player, but until it actually happens, it's hard to see. But then you come in there and you do beat Utah, right? And it's not like it was a convincing win. It's not like Florida just manhandled Utah all the way around and it was just like, okay, wow, the SEC power is, is phenomenal. It, it was one of those things where it was a close game that really it was Utah's mistakes that that hurt them. And, and like we said, we'll talk about this more. But from that, Florida jumps all the way to unranked to number 12, just one spot above Utah where Utah checks in at number 13. To me... You know, that, that's a huge indicator of, of where Utah is at as a program. You can look at that and say, oh, you know, Utah fell, you know, whatever it was, six spots right there. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that says more about who Utah is. The fact that you can jump all the way from unranked to number 12 in the country after one game says a lot about Utah. I mean, I, I look at this as one of those scenarios where, okay, Utah, or Florida goes in at number 12. They play Kentucky this week. It's going to be a good matchup to uh, top 25 teams, if if Florida goes and loses that game, how does that change that perception of Florida, right? Like, I, I think you're you're looking at them a little bit differently maybe, but I think from a one-week's analysis, you're looking at it like Florida has arrived because they beat Utah, which is kind of a funny way of saying that. And, and I don't think it's fully that way, right? Like, I don't think that everybody's sitting there thinking, oh, Utah's this phenomenal team and, and Florida beat them, so now that must mean they're... No, the SEC power is still going to be there. You know, they want to put Florida in those top... 15 spots because it's Florida. But at the same time, I think that does give Utah some, 
some credence to who they are, what they've been building there to say, look, we're going to put Utah just one spot lower than Florida because we think they're that good that we had to jump Florida all the way to number 12. So I don't know. Did, am I miss, am I miss like labeling that? Am I, am I seeing things differently? What, what are kind of your perspectives from that? Uh, you know, it's uh it's been interesting to get the different perspectives because I've been looking at a lot of the national media and they're, they're disappointed because it's a game that Utah should have won. Um, and not to take away from anything from Florida, like they, they had an outstanding game plan um, and they deserve to win. They, they got the win. Like there's no, yes, should have, could have, would have anything like that. Um, but from the national media perspective, the, the talk is less about Utah not performing or meeting expectations the, the the perception is how good florida is and and everybody's like oh you know they were six and seven and they were awful last year that first off the players gave up on their coach and that's why he got fired well they were two uh, po- they won they and, lost and, by two points to alabama that's where the che- right. the season completely changed and that's where they gave up right you, you beat alabama suddenly you're having very different expectations you know coming into the season and perhaps um dan Mullen doesn't lose his job so i mean these these coaches take a lot of heat for for these wins and losses, and rightfully so. They're getting paid and compensated for it. But uh, I mean, it's not like uh, you know, as Kyle Whittingham put it best, it's not like the cupboard was bare. They still had what thirty five, four and five star players on their roster. Utah has a handful, you know, and that's just a reality of where the the differences in the two programs are. And so for Utah to go toe to toe with somebody that on paper is more talented, they're faster, they're bigger, they're stronger. Their defensive lineman was like, what, 350 pounds? I mean, everybody's like, well, why didn't you just do a QB sneak up the middle? I was like, well, that's why, because that guy's like <laughs> a brick saw. wall and <laughs> it would take three guys just to move him a foot. Um, it, it, it's crazy to, to to see that perception of, hey, you know, it's, it's not Utah – that just didn't show up. It, there is a little bit of that, you know, like eventually Utah needs to start winning some of these games uh, or eventually, or eventually the, the narrative will become that more and more about hey, Utah's just overrated. They play in a weak conference. Uh, they get the the benefit of the doubt because they, they play in a weak conference, but whenever, whenever push comes to shove, they don't show up. Hey, eventually they're going to have to start winning those games or that will be the narrative. But so far from everything that I've seen, it's more Florida showed up They've got a very fast and talented quarterback that came out of nowhere. Uh, and uh, he, he, Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham kind of said, like, hey, like, this is like preparing to play against Cam Newton. Um, like, how, I mean, you, you try to take away the run and he throws it over your head. You try to t- take away the pass and he runs for three touchdowns. And, and that's what we saw on, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're, you're spot on right there. You've got to be able to win those games. And Utah's going to get – uh, some of that love right now where they're still kind of the darlings in that respect where, you know, they're this up and coming program, you know, they want to be on the national stage a bit more. It's going to take time. You see a lot of these programs that are in that level Clemson, you know, before they became the dynasty run that they did, this is kind of where they were at, right? They were, they were always threatening. They were getting there, but they weren't winning those big games. Now they've obviously won a bunch of games and, and people don't doubt Clemson as much. Now, granted, if you watched the game last night, I think people still doubted them to some respect. They're not necessarily where people think they are. But but I think what you, the point that, that's being made is, you know, this is now an opportunity where Utah has to take it to the next level. They have to be able to come in and say, we've got this talented core of team. We've got, you know, recruiting that continues to move forward. We're not afraid to play the Floridas or, you know, they've got Arkansas. They've got Baylor. They've got all these other programs that they're willing to play. 
but now you have to win those, right? You have to have right. this great season now to be able I, look, I don't want to get into the college football playoff talk. I think it's, it's too pointless to be able to say that in week one, but I think that that narrative has to be there that look one play, maybe two, if you count the goal line stand and, and different things that way, one play changed the trajectory of this entire season for Utah. You, you win that game and, and instantly Utah is now considered at the status quo. They're still seven. They're maybe six, five, who knows what they are, but you lose that game and instantly it's like, okay, the Pac-12 is back to this weak conference and, and everything is there. Florida probably probably would have moved into the rankings even if they lost maybe. I don't know. That's that's tough to debate. But I think, you know, it's, it's one of those scenarios where one play completely changed the trajectory of everything. And I'm curious to see how it plays out. To me, it's one of those things where, you know, both teams had things that, that they knew they needed to work on, right? Billy Napier after the game or at least Monday after the game, said, look, we were very fortunate to win that game. You know, he saw it, right? Like, they weren't perfect by any means either. You know, Florida, they got 7.2 yards per per play. Utah got 6.3. So it's not like it was this overly matched, uh, overmatched uh, situation where Florida was dominating and Utah was just barely scrapping by. It was one of those scenarios where these were two evenly matched teams, but also two evenly matched teams that had very distinct problems, right? They, they weren't polished. They weren't able to get what they wanted to fully, but they still managed to fight it out, and they're these good teams. So to, to me, it's interesting. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting look at how this season is kind of viewed in Utah's prism and trying to see how people see them. They're obviously the 13th ranked team. I don't think people are going to sleep on Utah. I still think they're one of the best teams in the Pac-12. USC moves up to number 10. But at the same time, I still think Utah's goals are still in play. It's just now it's a little bit harder to kind of get to where they need to be. Well, you look at the flip side of this, and that's the the Georgia-Oregon game. And I'm I'm not sure how many of you guys were able to watch that. That was You only had to watch the first five minutes. Yeah, so... To, to catch everybody up on Georgia scored on what, like f- five of its first possessions, touchdown, 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 touchdown. Uh, Oregon was only able to muster a field goal the entire game. Well, the final score was like 49 to three. Um, not a good showing for the PAC 12 in that regard. Oregon was number 11. They drop all the way out of the top 25. Uh, so when, even though that the matchup was an unranked Florida versus a ranked Utah, who was in the top 10, Utah only fell what is that? Six spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Oregon who played a top five team, a top three team fell completely out of the top 25 from 11 all the way out. So they dropped more than 14 spots. I think they're like what first in the other receiving votes. Yeah. And, and rightfully so they, they, they did not even muster anything that resembled uh, some competitive football. And yeah, they were playing a very tough defense, but they were Georgia was return was not returning a lot of, uh, defensive starters. They at lost least 15, from guys. 15 guys. 15 so guys. Th- this was essentially a brand new team that uh, t- Georgia was breaking in and they had their way with Oregon, which Oregon was breaking in a new team with a new coach. I get that, but uh, you got to do better. You got to do better. I get it that it was a, a de facto home game played in, in, in Atlanta, but uh, I mean, you got to do better than that. Um if you're the Pac-12. And so you can see why Oregon drops all the way out. Even though they have the name brand that uh, Utah may not have, they did not get the respect of the voters here. And uh, rightfully so, in my opinion, because they were pretty bad. (laughs) To to put it bluntly, they were pretty darn bad. 
Yeah, they're, they're, honestly, I think Oregon did more damage to the conference in that game than Utah did by losing to Florida, an unranked team, right? Like, every, right. everybody comes away from that game thinking that Georgia's, you know, they're stacked still. They're, they're good. The, the depth players, they, you know, they were just as good as the guys that were starting. And so I don't, I don't think that's, that's anything to, to discredit Oregon by in that respect, but I think it was just the sheer magnitude of how bad Oregon looked, right? Like Bo Nix and his right. debut in, in, in Oregon, just it was like the worst debut. Right? And, and I think you could point to a lot of his, his games where, um, you know, he's played Georgia before. This isn't a new experience, but he's he's had games where he's just been awful. And so I think with, right. with Oregon, you're going to get this up and down. You don't know what you're going to get. They don't have the guys that, that Georgia has, and, and and that's fine. Like, I think, you know, I, I think that hurts the Pac-12's chances to say, like, look, we can go toe-to-toe. Uh, nobody believed that Oregon was going to go toe-to-toe to that extent with Georgia, but I think they expected it to be a little bit more competitive, at least maybe right. cover the spread a little bit more. Um, but instead, it's, it's just a huge black mark on the conference to once again show, you know, there's a reason Oregon is being left out of the conversations of the Big Ten, right? And and I think you're looking at the trajectory of, of that program. Their last four or five games have been blowouts. There, there haven't been anything that's been close. And so that's the difference with a program like Utah. Yeah, they've lost their last two games, right? The Rose Bowl and now this opening game. But it's the trajectory of where Utah's at, that the talent that they're bringing back and what they're able to rally around that allows them to kind of be in that that level. So as much as it hurts Utah fans to lose and then go drop six points in the poll, I think Utah's in a fine position, right? I don't think right. anything has changed for Utah. The Rose Bowl was always going to be that goal. The Pac-12 championship was always going to be that goal. If you somehow snuck into the college football playoff, and I don't want to say snuck, I think Utah could have been in there on their own right. But I think that's kind of where they're at, right? Like it, it, This is a, a great wake-up call to Utah to say, look, we're good. We're a good team, but maybe we're not as good as we need to be, right? And clearly they weren't. And, and, you know, maybe we can use this to transition into actually recapping the game. I think one of the areas where Utah really struggled, and, and Kyle Whittingham, you know, went on about this a lot yesterday, was the run defense, right? He called it soft. Quite honestly, it was soft. They, they over-pursued in some respects. They were too slow in other respects. They just didn't have great coverage. They didn't spy Anthony Richardson. It was just an all-around mess, uh, trying to be able to cover a team that that they'd been preparing for for an entire year. So for me, like I understand you're replacing, you know, the linebackers and that's a key position, but to me that was a huge glaring mark on the program. You know, we we've always taken for granted how good this defense has been and we've always said, okay, Utah's defenses are always going to stack up. But when they don't, it's kind of like I, I feel like it almost hurts more to be able to view that because it's like, whoa, were we blindsided? Did we see something or did not see something that we should have? And that's that's kind of my feeling of going into this. We knew Utah was always going to be, you know, they, they've always struggled against a, a mobile quarterback, especially of Richardson's caliber. But to see it on that level was just completely different. So going back and watching uh, the game from start to finish, I want you to go and take notes of how many times Utah was in position to make a play and did not. And uh, I, off the top of my head, I think all but three or four plays – Utah was in position to either stop him for a minimal gain or potentially um, negate uh, a big play. And time and time again, we saw diving at the ankles. We saw art, like arm tackles. We saw sloppy play that you don't normally see from the University of Utah. To so much so that Florida averaged seven and a half yards to carry, 284 yards on the ground. Anthony Richardson had three touchdowns himself on the ground. 
it looked like Utah was not physically prepared for this game. And, and this is the, the, the what we were talking about off the air before the show is what I wanted to talk about is Utah last season got hit hard by the injury bug, especially in the, in the secondary. And I think we may have saw a little bit of overcompensation where, you know, throughout fall, there wasn't a lot of live work to be done because Utah had so many um, key, key guys returning that Kyle Whittingham said, these guys don't need the reps per se, because we know what the depth chart is going to be. We know like what they can do, but we kind of saw the flip side of that is like, they weren't in game shape per se. Like that, you know, I would say RJ Hubert had a, a terrific game. You know, he, he, uh, he's one of the few people that I think graded really well Cole defensively Bishop. for Utah. Cole Bishop did very well. Uh, you know, obviously Clark Phillips is always going to do well. Uh, but outside of that, the defensive front seven was kind of non-existent. And, and you saw you saw you saw glimpses of it. They were always in position. It wasn't like they 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 weren't in a position to or they they made the wrong read. Uh, a lot of times on the zone read, like that that play happens so fast. And that's why these teams run it is. Like, hey, the quarterback, he's got it. He's, he's going to show the show the handoff, and then he's going to tuck it and run depending on what the defensive end does. And Utah collapsed on that so many times. And so Richardson was just able to keep it on the edge. We lost containment more so than I've ever seen a Utah team, at least in the last two, two years, uh, where Richardson was just able to – I guess you could say uh, Jaron Hall did it last year against, against Utah. Um, just be, be able to – yeah, extend plays by escaping uh, the pocket. And then all of a sudden he's running down the left sideline because uh, we lost containment. Uh, how many times did we see that where Utah would, would, would go in for the tackle and just try to do an arm tackle or dive at the guy's ankles? I like I've, I've never seen that kind of sloppy play from the University of Utah football team, at least not in the last decade. I mean, that to me was was one of those things. It's like, man, like, did you take all fall camp off? Like I, I get trying to preserve the health of the players because there's a big difference between your, 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 your first team guys and your second team guys. That's, that's a reality that Utah will probably always have to face compared to these other teams where, Hey, like this guy gets hurt where there's another four-star guy waiting on the bench. Like Utah doesn't have that luxury, but uh, I mean, that to me was just missed execution and you could you could you could circle um, Cam Rising. He's the one that threw the uh, the interception at the end. The offense they couldn't punch it in from the goal line. This to me was on the defense 100%. That defense couldn't make a stop when they needed to. They were on. They faced fourth and short two times and gave up first downs each time. Well, well, that's the, that's the thing. Like this this Utah team is built so differently than what Utah's had in the past, right? In the past, it was like the offense isn't going to do anything. You might get lucky and get a few yards, especially against a team of Florida's caliber. We were always, you know, looking at them to say the defense is going to kind of hold and and make it more difficult on them, right? In this respect, Utah was in that game because Cam Rising continued to push. He settled down in that second half. He he looked rushed. Don't get me wrong. That first half, he looked rushed. He was trying to get the ball out as quick as he could because those defenders were coming in fast. Utah's offensive line did really well, but they were they were you know breaking containment in that respect, is in the sense that they couldn't get there. 
Utah moved over some guys and they, they added Logan Kendall in there as kind of another guy to give protection and instantly things changed. Utah looked like a solid team up front. And so I think that was one of those areas where, look, the offense didn't necessarily lose this game. Like you said, the goal line stand, that's tough, right? Like you can always point that you can debate whether Cam Rising was in on that third down. You can debate whether Tavion Thomas was in, whether he fumbled it and all that other jazz. You can debate those things, right? Those are difficult things and they're judgment calls, especially since there's not a clear view. But the thing to me is that you could not contain Florida wherever. And and it wasn't even just Anthony Richardson, right? Like, I, I understand that Richardson is one of those guys that no matter where he's at, you have to respect him, right? That, that's exactly how it works. But you had a freshman running back who was escaping for 25 yards every single time. Now, he's an ETN. We obviously saw his older brother at Clemson do phenomenal things. So we know that he can do that. But at the same time, it's those types of plays where Utah needed to be more sound. Like you said, they they were there. It's not like they didn't have defenders out. There's only like one or two plays where I felt like Utah just 100% bit too hard. And that, you know, you have Richardson run, what was it, like 50 yards or whatever it was. But I think, to me, it was, it was I don't even know how to describe this. To, to me, it was one of those things where it, it was slow, and not slow in the sense that they didn't have the speed to catch up. It was more just like I'm going through the motions, almost like this is still practice, right? Like Anthony Richardson is wearing the penny and you can't tackle him because it's still fall camp. To, to me, that's kind of how they did it. You saw an example of that in the two-point conversion where everybody's... Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Like he does that pump fake and you have a defender just standing right there, right? Like he's in the... You had two guys right there in, in position. And don't get me wrong. What Richardson did was a phenomenal play and you can't teach that. That's just pure instinctual. That's why Richardson is going to be a phenomenal quarterback moving forward. He just has that it factor. And so it, it's hard to fully pin that on them. But that's one of those plays where it just looked like they were pursuing in a very slow manner as if like, look, we don't want to get targeting. We don't want to hit him hard. We just want to make sure to stay in front of him. And, and that's not going to work, right? Like you've got to be able to put a body on him and, and say like, look, we're going to make you feel this. We are going to make you think that about doing these things again because we're going to hit you so hard that you're going to like have to take, respect us. He didn't respect Utah because he didn't have to, right? Like no. they have guys up front on their offensive line that are, are huge, right? They're, they're going to tower above Utah's defensive linemen. That's fine, whatever. But use your speed. Use your quickness to be able to get out there. And, and that's where it was. And that's where I think Kyle's talking about them being soft. There wasn't any pursuit. There wasn't anything there, right? Like they just, I, I don't want to say gave up, right? Like, I, I, you know, they didn't give up. I think it was just to that extent, like you didn't go through live work where you're, you're tackling through people. You're, you're not right. doing that. And so it's a double-edged sword and, and it's a tough scenario, but you're right. I think it, that's you, it. You can see it on the flip side of that. Whenever Cam Rising took off and ran, which he did, he did it's such a good job. Like everybody puts the blame on him because he's the one that threw the pick at the end. His I numbers get that. were as comparable but to Richardson's though. That's the crazy he, thing. He ran the ball seven times for 91 yards. But every time that he talked to Ed, a lot of this is due to him too. Like just get out of bounds, get, get down. He would go for the extra yards and he took a beating. He took some hits that, that would make me second guess whether I would want to play football anymore. Um, and Utah never got that. And it's not a dirty play. And they every it's, it's football. It's meant to be physical. It's meant to be battle. Bad. You don't want to get hit. You go down, you get out of bounds. You, you're, you're trying, your job as a defense is to make that quarterback second guess himself because the second that you you give him any sort of doubt, 
well, that just gives your defense one extra second to, to get into position. Speed and, them and, up. And we, That's yeah, the thing. Like, speed them up. Get force them to make the errors. I'm not in Cam's head. I, can, I don't know. It looked like he had a little bit of happy feet. He didn't take a sack once. Yeah. In, in fact, his protection was incredible. I, I think that um, the offensive line deserves a a five star buffet after that because that was an incredible job of you know not only run blocking but pass protection. They they did their their job. And this is Cam just kind of hurried some of those throws. Uh, the, the most glaring one was he had Vele on a comeback uh, wide open on the sideline on a critical third down late in the first half. And he sailed the ball over his head. Um, I mean, there's just not much more to it. Like, yeah, it's one play. He, he was, he was wide open five yard. I mean, it, it, it is one play. And uh, I, I think that no one's taking that loss harder than Tavion and Cam because they know that, um how good this team can be but uh man you, you from from a defensive perspective utah could not have played much worse as far as just wrapping up the just the, the just the 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 fundamentals that you would expect from a coach whittingham team we just didn't see those and a lot of that is due to you know florida being elusive they're fast like how do you take down a 240 pound six foot four quarterback that's tough i get it but they didn't even hit him like they were trying to finesse tackle them. They were trying to, you know, just not do it the Utah way, which is the physical bruising, bruising way. And it was, uh, that was the difference to me in the game. There's this Utah on offense, they set the tone. Um, it took them a while to get going, but that second half, they set the tone physically. Like we're going to run the ball. You can do whatever you want, but we're going to run the ball and we're going to march up and down the field. And they did. Um, but on defense, Utah wasn't the aggressor. They were, they were waiting for the plays to come to them. And then that when they were in position to make the play, you know, nine times out of 10, they didn't. And uh, that's, that's the difference in a close game when you're on the road in a hostile environment. Had this game been at a neutral site, had this game been at Rice Eccles, maybe it's a different story. Uh, maybe, you know, the, the home team doesn't get the, uh, the motivation behind the you know, 90,000 plus fans screaming in your ears and Richardson doesn't have as, as good of a day, or maybe he makes one critical mistake. Uh, Utah had its chances. It's unfortunate, but they couldn't come away with the win. But uh, I, I think that if you take a look at the whole, the special teams look, you know, night and day different compared to last season. The, the criticisms of uh, that we kind of had still kind of are there as far as Cam Rising making the deep throw. We didn't see him attempt any deep throws. And the longest was like a, a 20 yard <clears throat> completion to Keithy, who then took it for another 10 after the catch. Um, I, I, I just don't remember seeing Cam put the ball up to a Vele or Money Parks or Salominas down the field. Is that concerning to you going forward? Or did you think that was just the game plan for this? you know, very fast forward defense. I, I think it was a combination of, of both, right? Like I think those, those Florida DBs are phenomenal, right? I think they're, they're really talented. They, they close in really quickly on the receivers and, and, and make their job really difficult. But I think that's one of those areas where Utah has to show, look, it doesn't matter where you're at. You've got to be able to get open. And that's exactly what Chad Bumpus, we got to talk to him yesterday. We, he, he, he talked about this, right? Like he said, look, the thing that I want more than anything is Devon Vailey is a dude. That's what he called him. He said, like, he's the guy, and he's the one that's out there that, that can make those plays, right? We know that Brant Keithy was a phenomenal player. Dalton Kincaid's a phenomenal player. He had to kind of 
do a little bit of pass protection a little bit to kind of help the line a little. But at the same time, you've got guys that, that are talented. Brant Keithy was everything for Utah, and he did phenomenal with it. But at the same time, you have to have that outside threat. That run game started to get effective in that second half, and it would have been even more effective had Utah been able to get an open wide receiver here and there. Devon Bailey got it a couple times, not enough to really do anything for that defense. But what Bumpus said is like Devon, especially he has to demand that ball. He has to find a way to get it right. And, and for me, this is one of those things where you have to have that confidence. Okay. These Florida DBs, they're always churning out, you know, they cut DBU, whatever you want to call it. They're phenomenal, but I can be more phenomenal, right? Yeah. I can go in there and demand the respect of that ball. Do you think Brant Keithy settles and just says, you know what, I'm a tight end and, and I can get some mismatches, but if they, they get me, I, you know, oh, oh, no. Like, no, he's out there and he's fighting. You saw that very first touchdown play that he had. He literally blew through a guy, knocked his helmet off to reach for the touchdown. He's fighting for his life out there. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to use this to slander anybody or anything that way, but I think that's where Utah has to take that next step, right? They're phenomenal blockers, and they do a great job to open up that run game to be able to help Utah in, in different respects that way. But for Utah to really take the next level in this offensive progression, they have to get wide receivers that have confidence and say, give me the ball, demand the ball, go get the 50-50 balls, go get the, you know, make a a crisp comeback route or whatever it may be and, and demand the ball, right? Like there's no reason that they can't get there. And so for me, this is still that question mark that we had at the very beginning of the season. You've got to be able to get that outside threat. You've got to be able to develop that. Now, in the Pac-12, that's going to be completely different, right? There's going to be DBs that are going to be great. They're not going to be Florida DBs. So Utah can do that. But I think to to compete with these upper echelon teams, these teams that you want to be compared to, you have to demand that respect. You have to demand the ball. And, and, and quite honestly, Utah's just not there. So Utah's wide receivers had six catches for 51 yards. Uh, in, in contrast, Rand Keithy had nine catches for 105 yards because he does demand the ball. Like you said, he demands the ball. And whether it's through the run after the catch, fighting off tackles, I mean, he almost got his head taken off on that first touchdown that he had after Utah got the turnover and the long return. Uh, and then Cam Rising found him on the short third down. Uh, he, he almost got his head taken off. And you saw him with uh, go down after that long 37-yard catch later in the game. I think it was in the third quarter where he's grabbing his leg and you're thinking, oh, no. Like, this guy is literally giving Utah's his toast. body <laughs> to Utah here. And, yeah, here goes the, the one guy that's fighting. Look, he came back in uh, and he, he, it's just a conf. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what, if Cam has just had some uh, intense chemistry with Keithy and knows that, Hey, if I get the ball in his vicinity, he's going for it. Uh, whereas some of these other receivers may not be doing that. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I'm fine with him being your top target. You know, I think that uh, he's just such a mismatch for wherever you put him on the field, whether you put him in the slot, you put him at tight end, you put him, you can, you know, put him in the back, whatever you do, he's going to find a way to get open. And that's, that's what is lacking from these other guys is, Hey, like find a way to get open and make it so that like in film review, like make it get pointed out. Like, Hey, I was wide open. Why did you give it to me? Like, and make it so painfully obvious, like, get back in the huddle. Be like, dude, I was open. I got my guy. Just, just throw it up. Give me that 50, 50 ball. And I'm going to prove to you that, 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 you know, we can um, move the ball down the field. Utah needs to take those, those risks because it's not going to be, 
Um, I, 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 defenses will adjust. You know, defenses will start to double team Brent Keithy. And these other guys are going to have an opportunity throughout the season to step up and show what they can do. And are they going to take it? I don't know. I mean, that's up to them. I think they're capable of, uh, of doing it. I think that they're good enough. But uh, they're just lacking that uh, that intensity, the the Britton Covey effect almost, where he's the littlest guy on the field, but it, he he positions himself in a way that you had to give him the football because it, he would find a way to turn nothing into a ten yard gain. How many times did we see like you know Utah football last season? They'd call a trick play, and it'd be an end around. It would be you know Covey looking to pass. He'd look down the field and he'd see that it was covered. He'd have nowhere to go with it. And he'd still find a way to run for 10 yards. That's what Utah needs to do with the, with these receivers. They need to, to, to have that finesse that uh, like, hey, just give me the football and then let me show what I can do with it. Not to say that Vele, Enos, Parks didn't make, you know, contributions to the game. But, you know, it, it's hard when you're only getting, you know, three targets a game. I get that. But when you are given those opportunities, it's what you do with them, you know, that matters most. And uh, you know, that, that will be the difference between Utah running the table the rest of the season and, uh, you know, an eight and four, you know, bowl game versus Bo Diddley Tech. You know, that's, and, and that's, <laughs> good. You should that's watch the reality out. of what you think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like they almost beat Clemson. <laughs> No, but I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I think you, know, you, you want to be able to go into that film room and you want that onus to be on Cam Rising, right? You want it to be like, yeah. look, you completely missed this read. Now, maybe he doesn't, right? Maybe he gets you the ball. But I think that's, that's the point that they're trying to make. Like, as a wide receiver, your job isn't to just say, I hope Cam passes me the ball. Your job is to demand that ball and to be able to say, look, I've put myself in a position. Why haven't you given me the ball? Now, there's always going to be scenarios where you can go back on the film, and I wish we could watch all 22 in, in, in college to be able to see how these routes are run and, and kind of where things stalled. But, but you want to be able to, to, to point into that and say, like, this is where the problem is, right? Like, it, there's so many times where you see the wide receiver, you know, and sometimes they're, they're asked to block and do whatever. And, and, you know, they get a lot of credit for that. Chad Bumpus loves the way this team blocks, which is great. But at the same time, you need to be able to be respected. You need to be there. Like you have a money parks. You've got a Jalen Dixon who can escape incredibly fast and get downfield. You've got to get behind those DBs. You got to get behind that safety. You got to be able to get there, but you can't do that. If you're just, you, you don't have that confidence, right? Devon Vele's talked about that, right? Like the thing that's held him back more than anything in his collegiate career is confidence. And I think once you start seeing that, once you start building it, he believes it again, right? And I think that's where you kind of have to get him involved. And once he gets involved, he's going to make phenomenal plays. He knows what he can do, but it's, it's, it's such a mental game that that's what makes, you know, wide receiver versus corner, one of the most incredible aspects of the game is because it's such a head case, right? That's why they jaw back and forth at each other all the time. Those NFL guys, they're consistently talking to each other, talking trash, saying that they're going to do it. Those are some of the most egotistical people, at least in their playing terms, in any field out there because they believe that they are the best. Clark Phillips is not a tall guy, right? Like he's not the guy that's out there standing at six foot five and you've got to throw over him. He just believes that he can get anywhere, anybody, and and get it. And he does for the most part, right? He's going to get burned a few times, but he believes that he can do that. Utah's wide receivers have not instilled that yet there. I think Chad Bumpus is really working towards that, and I think he's trying to get them there. But for me, 
that's where Utah has to take for it. I trust the running game. The running game is great. Tavion Thomas looked really good. He had that little fumble there at the goal line, and you can argue that. Chris Curry, you know, phenomenal Chris Curry opportunity. He's he's fought so hard to be able to be back in that lineup. He's worked hard. He looked good out there. He did better than Makai Bernard could get in that physical line. You know, I, I think they're going to be okay there, but they have to find a way to not just become a one-dimensional offense. And, I, and I'll tie in a one-dimensional offense in the sense that Keithy is still part of that, right? You've got to be able to make it more well-rounded. And you saw you saw a little bit of this in the running game with uh, Cam Rising. Uh, he's running seven times for ninety-one yards. That's that's an awesome stat line. But you don't want him taking seven hits no. in in a football game. You don't want, want him to have the potential to have that one shoulder pop funny, or you land you know on your wrist a little bit wrong. Or there's so many things that could go wrong. And Utah's season hinges solely on the health of Cam Rising. I think that going forward they need to do as much as possible to eliminate anything that they any risk to cam rising and potentially take away some of those those runs for him and he was trying to win a game i I get it he's so competitive he wants to win more than anybody out there on the field and he almost willed his team to to victory but you can't have him taking those kind of hits uh and and i think that the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback is the the good quarterback will take off and get the first down we saw this yesterday with uh um jaden daniels you know for for lsu he was the first chance he got he was out of the pocket running and and that's really good like he was able to move lsu down the field into a position to win the game but the great quarterbacks find a way to evade the defender keep their eyes downfield and then throw it to an open target. And we saw this with Stetson Bennett, excuse me, Stetson Bennett with Georgia. How many times did he evade uh, Oregon defender? And Oregon's a fast defense. I mean, they're not, they're no slouch. He made them look like a peewee football team out there with the way that he was able to, to move around in the pocket. He kept his eyes down the field and he was thrown to open targets. I mean, that's, that's more deflating the, the most deflating play and that entire Florida game was watching Anthony Richardson shake off Diabate and Barton and throw it to a wide open guy. That was so deflating as a fan. And I'm sure for the defense too, like, man, we're doing everything we can. We got two guys in his face. He evades them. And now he's got an open guy because we couldn't hold containment in the backfield for 18 seconds or whatever it was. Felt like an eternity. So I, I think going forward, can Cam rise and keep his eyes down the field I think if he does, he's going to find some open guys and, you know, can, can these guys step up? I think they can. Uh, and we're, we're not going to find out a whole lot this week against Southern Utah, but I think in a way it's kind of a good recovery game for Utah because you don't want that Florida game to cost you two, two losses. I think if Utah was playing a good opponent this week, you might have that lingering effect where, oh man, like there, there was an emotional toll on that, that team. And you don't want the same team to beat you two weeks in a row. Yeah, no, no way. And ultimately, I think Utah is going to be fine, right? I, I I left the stadium on Saturday, not necessarily thinking that you you know the sky is falling for Utah. I think it was more, look, there's there's clear things that need to be fixed, and and this is a great opportunity for them to be able to look at that and say, hey, we have real tape against a real opponent that we can do it. You're going to get the attention of the players really well. But I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of optimism still about this program. I still think they're one of the best programs in the Pac-12. That doesn't mean that they're going to run the table. That doesn't mean that they're going to do that. They Could they? 100%. But I think everything is still in play. Utah is in a fine position. Everything's okay. 
you know, as long as they can clean up some of these things. For me, I, I think that defense, you know, maybe this is the bias that we've had where we've covered this team forever. I think that defense is going to respond. They're going to they're going to get right. there. You're not going to face a guy like Anthony Richardson this season. Um, yeah. You know, you're going to be okay in that respect. To me, I was more, um, you know, excited maybe not excited is the right word but just like more optimistic about what the offense has in the sense of how well the offensive line played the fact that they could gel at week one in in that environment that bodes well for the entire season so you know don't don't be too you know down on yourself this week if if that's yeah. that's what it is i mean it, it's going to be hard to shake that off especially with the southern utah coming up it's not going to be this this game where you feel like you fully get over it but it, it's going to be fine and, and, and the reality <laughs> is oh, go ahead I was going to say that Utah needs to to pick up quickly because the Pac-12 is showing that, yeah, they may not be top heavy. You know, the the conference in its marquee games went 0-3, but the rest of the conference won every single game and quite convincingly. Boise State lost to Oregon State. Um, Oregon State and Arizona are going to be really good. Yeah, Arizona beat San Diego State in the new uh, Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego. That, I mean – Arizona and Oregon State are going to be pretty good. I mean, Utah's going to have, a, you know, Stanford, you know, they played a nobody, but they won. Um, and obviously, you know, what can Lincoln Riley do with USC and the talent that they have? And it, the scary thing to me is what you can see. You can see a program with the right head coach and Billy Napier. That is, this is essentially the same team as last season's Florida team, right? That is, it's the same players. It's the same key guys. And all of a sudden, they're really good with a new coach. And can that be USC this year? It remains to be seen. We're, we didn't learn a whole lot when they played Rice. But uh, I, I think that the the mid to bottom of the Pac-12, the criticism that that everybody has had for surrounding the Pac-12 is, man, you have like one or two teams and then nobody else. But you can't say that this year. I mean, the, the Pac-12 is wide open. You can't really say – I mean, I guess if you were to say – that they're still a favorite Utah and USC are right up there. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody else, but they're not going to have any weeks where it's like, Oh man, you guys get a break this week. You're playing Arizona. Well, Arizona is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot better than they were last season. Uh, they've got some deep threats at wide receiver that man, they, they've put San Diego state on their heels. So it'll be a fun Pac-12 season. Utah can't sulk in, in the loss. And I don't think anybody up there is, um, but uh yeah, it, it's it's going to be a quick turnaround for for this Utah team who had to battle some adversity and getting home with mechanical issues with the plane. Uh, credit to the University University of Florida for for putting the players up in hotels and giving them meals and stuff. I mean, yeah, this had if Utah was playing like a, a decent team this week. Not to say that you know Southern Utah is not decent. It's just there's just a huge talent gap between FBS and FCS. I think we would all agree to that. If you know, I was playing a decent program or an FBS program, I would be very concerned because of just the emotional toll that that game took. So thankfully we're playing Southern Utah. Uh, we'll talk more about this later in the week in our, in our podcast. And uh, you know, this, this uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate start to the season, but you said it right. The, the sky's not falling. This is still, uh, if not the best, the one of the two best programs in the Pac-12, and they'll get a chance to to showcase it here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I think you know we'll talk a lot more about this stuff. We, we're you know we're hoping to have a athlete signed um, to be on our Ooh. podcast every single week. We're still getting the eyes dotted, the T's crossed. 
Um, so we're, we're waiting on a, on a few things, but we're excited to, to kind of roll that out and be able to talk to a player each week about how these games are going and, and get their perspective on it. So, uh, you know, check back on that. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated on, on how things are going that way. But we appreciate you listening to us. We will obviously have more to say as the, as the weeks go on, as we see more of the games and everything that way. But we appreciate you listening to us. Go rate us on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Um, once again, always uh, hit us up with any questions you have, anything that you want us to do. You know, Rob will do anything for my. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I do owe you a Mountain Dew. Like, how about that opening drive? You oh, didn't run the ball once. There you go. I, 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 I owe you a Mountain Dew. Next I will time take I see that. You. <laughs> uh, diet or regular? Ah, uh, we're gonna go regular. I need, I need the real oh. sugar. None of this right. aspartame yeah, or whatever. That humidity really took it out of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still recovering. No, I'm, I'm fine. But thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you guys next time.